If you feel like you a star, you got to create yourself. Can't wait for somebody to just make you because nobody is just going to try to make money for you. Mm -hmm. They want to make money <laughs> off you. Yep, yep, we out here. Welcome back, world. You know what it is. Hot breath. <sighs> and this week's episode is brought to you by our favorite sponsor, the Joel Byers Comedy Class, running a Santa special now through New Year's. Ooh. Hit up highwirecomedy.com or joelbyerscomedy.com for more info. But the class is really perfect for... Somebody looking to just boost their public speaking skills and add punchlines to a business proposal or even a comedian bored with their material and looking to generate a brand new five-minute set in just eight short weeks. So it's what you want it to be. Hit up highwirecomedy.com or joelbyerscomedy.com for more info. We're also brought to you by you. Without your support, this would not have been possible, and I'm grateful for all the iTunes reviews you have been leaving. Last week's winner, Comedy Fan 13, won the iTunes Hot Breath T-shirt giveaway. And with such success of that, I am going to do a round two just for you. So, the first person hearing this today to leave an iTunes review will get a free premium Hot Breath T-shirt. It could be as simple as leaving five stars or a heartfelt review like Hot Breath Faithful saying, Great, great podcast for anybody that wants to be a comic, is one, or just wants to hear great stories from other comics. Shines great light on the comedy scene in the A. And if you are an aspiring comic or new to the scene, this is a must-listen! Exclamation point. Well, today is also a must-listen Hot breath episode, featuring Carlos Miller and two strippers. He called this his Rick James-ish and does not disappoint. Uh, <laughs> Carlos has evolved from fighting fires and driving trucks to working side-by-side -side with entertainment moguls like Nick Cannon and Kevin Hart. He's been a finalist on Last Comic Standing, a recurring main cast member of Wild and Out, and now, Hot Breath. Not only do we discuss his rise to the top, but also advice for creating yourself and your stake in show business. Carlos is full of wisdom earned from a decade of hard work behind the scenes to center stage. So shine on with a shimmering Hot Breath and Carlos... Miller. Yeah. How you wrote the questions out. It's I'm just so important. I've made it in my life. Well, nobody's interviewed you like this before. This is gonna be. Are you excited? This is about to be history. It is. I'm yeah. so are you excited? Let's see him. Let's look at Right. Well, should we pay y'all to get naked? Mm. Should he pay y'all to get naked? <laughs> For how, I mean, all right, 
you were just talking about financial decisions, and now you're about to make pay these money. We can make some bad. Like to have some naked girls in there. That would be cool. How much you want? How much you want? How much you want? Baby, how much you want? That's how much you want. Sure. So y'all want a hundred to split? I can give you fifty, and you fifty. That'll work. I got you though. You know I got it. Um, ladies, I want to see her naked all day. You've never seen either one of these girls naked. Let's get naked. Let's get naked. You've never seen them naked. I've never seen either one of them naked. Are you at Onyx too? Wow. And you've never seen either of them naked. And they both work at Onyx. You slipping, man. <laughs> All that changes. I'm about to get some back. My You know what this is gonna be like? Um, Rick James is one of the greatest interviews of all. Yeah, yeah. This is gonna be like Rick James. Well, that's what I want. I need to be on another level. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm, you're on I mean, it now. I'm working too hard to just be on the regular level. Nah, you're you're definitely working hard, man. You just got off set, so I appreciate you doing this anyway. Yeah. What were you uh, shooting over there? D-Boys. Is that like a TV show? Or? Yeah, it's a TV show we're working with Big Sean. So, Sean Larkins? Yeah. It's like a reality comedy pilot series type situation we're working on. So right now we're just shooting a whole bunch of shit. <clears throat> and uh, my character is a rapper, Young Bleezy. <laughs> and I was shooting a video for one of my songs today. Called Jordan Made My Jordan. <laughs> That's uh, that's kind of on the back burner. The thing you're doing most recently is, of course, wilding out. Right. I mean, you pretty much went on there from the back of the group to the front to now front and center. Like you're one of the the people of the crew now. Um. Yeah, kind of. In some aspects, but they still got their favorites. But you know, they use for this and that. I feel. Yeah, I but still feel like the underdog on the show sometimes. You have one of the hottest games, though. You and a Chico, when you do that, the old school rap battle, that has like all those have like a couple million views. Yeah. On uh, YouTube. Yeah. Um, couple million views. Yeah, on, yeah. On the on the wild style battle. Yeah. Yeah. I love it because it's like it's mostly for the kids, man. Kids love that <laughs> shit the most. <laughs> <laughs> And kids, they come up everywhere, and they just, like, they start rapping this shit, and it's just amazing. The old school raps? Yeah, of course. Wow. Whose idea was that? Was that improvised one it day? Or the you idea. Got... The first time, it was completely improv, man. And then it's just by fan request that we just keep it going. And we just decided to just keep it, keep it improv, keep it up by fan request, and we're just going to do it until the fans don't like it no more. So is it you personally keeping up with fan requests, or is there like... Well, we get so much fan requests on social media, the memes, the clips. I mean, they have they have remixed that so many times. Like you said, it's gotten a couple million views, so yeah. it's, it's gone viral. So it's been remixed and chopped in, and everybody has recorded themselves on Snapchat doing their favorite part of the old school battle and all that. <laughs> it's, it's really taken a whole nother life form. 
You mentioned um, social media and all that. I mean, a lot of what Wild and Out is doing is getting a lot of not only comedians, but also people popular on social media that are, have a lot of following on there. So, like, how do they keep up when it is live and on stage? Well, we try to get a lot of um, the fans to actually come to the live shows. So we've actually started doing, like, some tour dates and some, some uh, arenas and theaters around the bigger colleges. So we're trying to bring them to a live, a live experience so they can get used to the type of comedy on TV. You know what I'm saying? So, like, once you see it live, you kind of understand it more. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Because we really, th- like, people discredit a lot of the improv. Because, like, oh, it's on TV. You know they rehearsed it. But we mm-hmm. really don't. And we try to take as many of those live moments as we can to ch- just, like, emphasize that point. That it's like... When we shoot the show, we got a time schedule. And it's like, we have to run through five games, and it's always two games that don't make it on the show. Mm-hmm. So it's like, we don't have time to really rehearse that because we don't never know who's coming when. And then it's like, we're dealing with celebrities, so T-Pain's supposed to come this day, and then he don't come to next week. It's, it's hard to try to plan that shit. Right, right, right. But what about the actual comedians on the show? Because there are some Instagram comedians on there who are used to being funny for like, you know, 14 second clips at a time, but now they have to get in the ring with, you know, like seasoned comedians like yourself. How do they? It's a perfect mixture because it's like some of those improv games require us to build a a, a quick setting right quick and it's perfect timing for what they do. Right. It's like these guys, like a lot of people discredit what they do too because it's like, it's not like they could just pull their phone out and just record some shit and it just be viral. These dudes actually like direct those little clips and try to make that shit fit. Yeah. Chop it down and chop it down. So it's like, I have a lot of respect for them. And people always want to try to put stand-up comedians against these online comedians. <laughs> and it's not, it's two different things. That's just like some action movie and you like you trying to compare Schwarzenegger and Kevin Costner. That shit don't even go together, man. <laughs> Well, it's a brilliant, uh, it's a brilliant game plan coming from Nick Cannon. I mean, to use these people who have a natural following and just build that following. What all have you learned from working with Nick over the past few years? I learned that you can get paid from doing everything. <laughs> yeah. That's my big, like, people look at, they admire Nick for a lot of different reasons. I like money. I like that aspect, that he can get a lot of money and he know how to do it. Uh-huh. And I'll be always trying to figure out how the fuck I can do that shit, too. So every chance I get, I try to get a little game from, see how, you know what I'm saying, just watch the movement. So it's like, I always tell you, if you want to be successful, you got to be around some successful people. So I just watch how you, how you move in the game, and you know what I'm saying? Image is everything, and, and he got a good image, and it, bring, it can put him in a lot of different circles that a lot of people can't get into just because he got a good reputation. Yeah, and he's an actor, comedian, producer. He's a DJ. I mean, that's what I'm saying. When you can be that successful across the board, it's be, it's not because of it's like that's a, that's another talent, like having people like you as a talent. When people mm-hmm. want to do business with you because they like you as a person, it don't have nothing to do with that other shit. But when they personally like you and they look out for you, that's the level to be on. Has he dropped any knowledge to you? Any wisdom? You guys been working together a few years now. I mean, yeah, is he all type of shit? What's he? Uh, well, what you it's got? Just, it's just like don't wait on nobody to. Don't wait on anybody to put you on no on no situation. Like one no is just one no, and no, it don't stop there. And if they keep telling you no, then you got to do it yourself, bare bone. You know what I mean? It's mm-hmm. like 
that take no for an answer. It's like you can't stop it. Like, you don't like it? Cool, fine. Don't worry about it. Next. You know what I mean? Just keep it moving. That's the most important thing. Because I've seen him shoot all day with Wildin' Out, then go host America's Got Talent, then come back. You know what I mean? And it's just like that dedication. If you And it's like it's doing what you say you're going to do. Just a lot of little tips that you could just pick up just from being in the atmosphere. Well, you guys clearly hit it off because you just shot a, a cartoon together. Is that right? Yeah, we shot a cartoon together called Football You, F You. Mm-hmm. It's a, it's a dirty, despicable, low-down, disgusting, <laughs> hilarious cartoon about the football team. Was that his idea or yours? It's his idea. He, uh, Nick Cannon is a brilliant mind, and he, um, he always thinking of shit to do, like that's funny, that's cool, that's new, that's innovative, groundbreaking, shit like that. So that's how that came out. It was me, Corey Holcomb, D-Ray, Jacob, Lauren, Tim, a lot of people from the cast, a lot of funny-ass comedians just made that shit happen. And is there a release date for that yet? I mean, some of the episodes are available online and all that type of shit, but but they haven't released the whole series. Well, I'm sure you've shot a lot of stuff that hasn't been released yet. I mean, I know we just last year worked on a, a comedy pilot with like some big-name in the game, you know, a lot of big time comedians. How many projects have you, do you have kind of in the can right now that are just waiting to be out there? Uh, I would say probably around six or seven. Wow. Six or seven decent projects, you know, that just waiting on to get that approval. Some stuff is pending. Some stuff is waiting to be reshot. Some stuff is waiting on a new deal. And it's just, it's dope. I'm mm-hmm. just waiting at any moment. Something could happen. Well, you've done a lot of TV before Wildin' Out. You're on Bill Bellamy's Who's Got Jokes. When you were on Monique, she said you have the gift of funny. She said she knows funny and you are funny. And, uh, of course, most recently, you made it to the semifinals of Last Comic Standing. And Comics Unleashed is something you got when the host's mom saw you on Last Comic Standing? Yeah, Byron Allen, he said his mom was watching me on Last Comic Standing. And she was really, really digging it. That's impressive from a TV resume, but how has all this success affected your stage resume? It gets more people out to see how funny you can be live. Like, fuck the hype, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. They want to see it live. And then people come out and they was like, man, I seen you on Wild and Out, but I didn't know you was that funny. <laughs> like, that's the <laughs> ultimate compliment. I didn't know you was that funny. Like, yeah, how man. funny did you think I was? <laughs> And that's dope to me, because it's like, they I don't know what it is that they saw that made them come, but it's like, now they see a different side. Like, damn, we came to see one thing and yeah. got a whole nother. Like, you know, like, as a fan, that's got to mm-hmm. be dope. Oh, yeah. It's like if you went to to a concert, it was just, you know what I'm saying, and then Outkast just showed up and hit you with some different <laughs> shit. Like, where the hell did that come from? You know what I mean? <laughs> so the element of surprise is definitely working in my favor. And then I still get a lot of people who just never heard of me, still get Drifter fans who just like, we just at the comedy club. But I did see you on that one shit. So it's like, like I said, my resume, the old shit is really, is really like, the, that's what makes fans late at night People see some old who's got jokes, mm-hmm. some old hell date. They love all the old shit. Yeah. So I, I'm glad that I like, even though that's old to me, yeah. it's still funny to them. So that means I'm doing the right thing. What about from a professional standpoint? You're getting a lot of new fans. What about like comics? Because you've had people like Kevin Hart on the show. Like, 
are these people coming on the show and being like, yo, you're funny, man. You should come share the stage with me. It's dope to work with dope people. You know what I mean? Because mm-hmm. it's like they get to see you be dope, too. It's like, yeah. damn, you dope, too? <laughs> like, you do this. Like, okay, I'm dope at what I do. But when mm-hmm. we come here, you dope. So you show me how to be dope right here. Like, but when Kev come through, you know, Kev, he been doing his thing for the longest, man. And it's dope because I actually met him before he got super huge. Like, he was a super huge star to me in 2007 when he was doing the ostrich joke. A lot of people, you got to be like a real <laughs> Kevin Hart fan to know about the fucking ostrich joke. That was the funniest joke to me, man. And um, he blew up. I seen this dude blow up like three different times. Like he yeah. blew up and then he re-blew up. <laughs> blue, blue, blew up. Right, 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 right. But he never changed. He was the same dude, same humble dude. Always looked out for every comedian. Everybody going to the club. Everybody going to get have a good time. You a comedian, whether you funny or not. Just because he know that grind, he look out for all the, you know what I mean? When he come mm-hmm. through, it's just all love, man. I ain't never seen Kevin Hart shit on nobody, treat nobody, or, you know, pull that Kevin Hart shit. He took every picture, spoke to every fan. Wow. Always made everybody laugh. High spirit. He was never, he ain't never, I ain't never seen him pissed off. You know what I mean? Like, right. that dude is, you know, he really deserves all that he get. Is there anybody else you've been able to work with where coming up in the game, you're like, man, one day? Um, Mike Epps and shit. Yeah, yeah. One day I know me and Mike going to do some big shit. I don't know what it is, but I just know that we're going to end up doing some crazy shit one day. That's just one of those people that I, you know what I'm saying? Like people who you just, I just know that one day in the future we're going to make some bread together. I just feel it. Because Mike Epps cool as fuck, man. I see Mike, we chop it up. He give me game too, man. He look mm-hmm. out for me, you know what I'm saying? A lot more than people know. It's a lot of little, it's a lot of, I got a lot of big homies, big brothers in the uh-huh. game who just like, you'll never even know that they, you know what I mean? That they fuck with me like that. Yeah. It's just like, it's just a real organic relationship where it ain't like, hey, do something for me. It's like, I fuck with you because I see what you doing and you grinding the right way and you're not asking nobody for shit and you just getting it how it is. You know what I mean? And that's just a whole different type of respect. What about from the music side? I know you have experience working with people like T.I. and Gucci Man. Man, you know, it's crazy because it's like, you never know who actually watches comedy. <laughs> yeah. So it's like when you see a group of 50 people coming up to you and then you see Gucci Mane, like, hey, bro, you funny here. <laughs> like, I had a show with Gucci Mane and before he was like, before he blew up, blew up. Uh-huh. He was Gucci Mane, but then, you know, like before he got super huge. Like, we had a show, and he was cool as hell, man. I was tweeting about that shit the other day. I smoked a blunt with Gucci Man at the show, me and Dirty South, because they didn't have our <laughs> money at first. And then they were supposed to have everybody money by the time Gucci Man showed up. But he showed up, and he was back there. He was just fucking off talking shit with us for two or three hours, man. We was just back there kicking it, having a good-ass time. Me, him, and all his friends. And we were just two comedians just talking shit to the, to the goons, man. Yeah. It was, it was dope. You gonna try to do more music? Hell yeah! Yeah, I mean, I'm gonna do. I'll do whatever, man. I'm all about trying to get that money. You have that old school rap battle, you know, on Wild and Out. But you trying to get on an actual track? Man, me and Chico gonna do an old school mixtape. We've been working. What? On it. We've been talking about it, kicking the idea around, but it's gonna happen sooner or later. What's slowing it down? Sooner or later. Sooner <laughs> or later. Did, did you start off in music? I know you made some, like, funny cassettes and stuff when you were a kid from the radio. And I think you also did, like, Jerry Springer skits. What was that all about? Oh, yeah. I used to do, um, 
I used to just do crazy shit in my room, man. I had just, <laughs> just used to record shit. Like, I had a microphone, and I just used to plug it into my radio and just record shit. So I made, like, this fake Jerry Springer episode where I was just talking to myself. And then I put my cousin in it, and it's just the whole crazy shit. Mm-hmm. Something I put in the bitch in the mailbox and mailed it back to the boyfriend. <laughs> and we was just like, mail that bitch! <laughs> like, but the, I, like, I kept recording this shit over and over, so it sounded like it was a bunch of people. I really thought I was on some innovative shit, and then... Later on, I found out that people were doing making beats on their PlayStation and shit. I was like, I had a PlayStation. I never knew you could make beats on that <laughs> shit. So it's, I thought it was some cool shit that I was. I learned how to loop shit. Yeah, you know, like with two tapes and then put it on one tape and it sound like it's all together. So. Was most of that done in your room, like alone, Hell or you had yeah, friends? Man. I really think I was supposed to be a musician. Oh, I really? fucked around and played football in the seventh grade instead of taking the band. <laughs> Because in, in my school, you couldn't play football in seventh grade and play in the band. But then you couldn't just get in the band in eighth grade because you hadn't been. I really kind of wanted to be in the band and shit. But for some reason, I thought my athletic skills was going to take off. How far did that take you? Man, I played all the way through, you know, school and shit. But, man, I should have been doing some other shit now that I know what I know. School, like, how far up? Like, all the way to senior year? Or yeah, like, I mean, I graduated playing football and all that type of shit. Things you did not know. You try to go to the next level? I was, but, man, I just really, I really didn't have the, the drive or the determination. I just thought the shit was going to happen. Because <laughs> Without working at it? Like it? a miracle. I was working my ass off, you know. Oh, I just okay. thought, like, some really, I just thought, like, some really cool shit was going to happen. And it was just going to be different. But shit just never was. And then it was just like, we had some asshole coaches who just fucked the game all up. We had a really good team, and they just fucked the team all up. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? So is that when you became a firefighter? No. I mean, you skipped the whole segment of my life. That was I didn't become a firefighter after high school. That was later on. I was 20-something when that shit happened. I really well, we were 18 in high school. I was, yeah, <laughs> but I'm saying, man, like, like, yeah, I did the whole school shit. College shit. Then I started fucking with the firefighter shit. Just about a crazy look at the draw. Did you graduate college? No, nah, I dropped out because I, I was a firefighter. Like, I got the call to be a firefighter. Mm-hmm. Because I had to go to the fire academy. And um, I, had, I couldn't do both schools at one time because I had to be at the fire academy all week. And I was missing all my classes, so I had to withdraw because I was getting paid to go to this other shit. And I was, you know what I'm saying? It was just regular community college. So I took mm-hmm. a job over to school. And then once I stopped doing that shit, the firefighter shit, I never went back to school. I just started driving trucks. Oh, for how long? <laughs> a few months, man. <laughs> I should have never did that shit. <laughs> I was just fucking around trying to get some money. But Driving trucks, I making jokes it. alone, yeah. making more cassette tapes. No, nah, I didn't get to. I, like, that was the shit. It was killing me because I couldn't do no comedy. And, like, right before I started doing the firefighters, I started doing improv comedy. But then I had to stop doing improv because my shift, I was on the, um, I had to work a whole day and I started missing all my shows, man. So oh, it was man. just like, I was dying. I was like, fuck, I'm sitting there at the fire department all night wishing I was doing some, some improv and shit. So that what? was like my passion. I wanted to do comedy. Because I started doing stand-up in the improv, in between the games. Right, 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 so right. I had to just stop, you know what I mean? I didn't get to do comedy until I stopped driving trucks and moved to Atlanta. So you started improv when you were in Mississippi still? Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. I was doing improv with a group called Laugh Co., Laugh Company. <laughs> wow. Right? 
You still in touch with those people? Some of them. Some yeah. um somebody posted one of our old sketches the other day. I don't know what, if they took it down or not. <laughs> I need a commercial break here. I know, right? All right. So I guess most of your comedy was just done around your family then? Nah, just people that I knew. Well, I mean, and then some a lot of strangers and shit. A lot of white people at first. Oh, really? Because the improv was all white people. I was the only black dude. Oh, the rest was white people. Hell yeah. In Mississippi, was it mostly white people? Man, white people are everywhere, man. Yeah, I mean, we're mostly everywhere, yeah. White people everywhere, though. And they are abundant in Mississippi. But I know you've, I mean, you've said how funny your family is and everything. I need someone to coach you right now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That was the gig up. Yeah, so, they're trying to rob us. We just got a few more questions for you, Carlos. It's fine. I'm used to disappointments. That was this pretty rock star though, man. Yeah, I lived. I rock lived star. Hey, man, that's what life is. Life is just a series of moments. You got to try to make sure you have a lot of good ones. But you don't. You don't forget the small people back in Mississippi, do you? You know, I, I forget people who forget me. <laughs> um, I mean, I want to be one hundred percent honest. It's, it's, I miss everything about home, but it's just I got a lot of bad memories too. There's a lot of people who. Who want to? The people who want to be remembered are the people who didn't really tr help me in any point in my life. Mm -hmm. Those are always the people who want to remind you to not forget them. So, fuck them. If it's fuck me, yeah. I don't know if they really just want me to get successful to help them, or if they really just want me to get successful. Have you already had people reaching out to you about like every day on the come up? Every day, family, even friends. I mean, people have to. People think I'm. I got money out there just to give away. <laughs> You're still hustling, man. I know. So they see that I'm hustling, and then it's like I have to. To a certain extent, I have to show them that I'm hustling. So it's like if they know you hustling and they see you hustling and they see you have some nice things, they be like, "Hey, man, give me something so I can have some nice things." But it don't work the other way around. Like if I was fucked up, I couldn't call nobody and ask them for shit. <laughs> I don't understand how people feel like they could call me as me. I, they know that I could never. I, it ain't nobody on my Facebook, t any friend, social media friend list that I feel like if shit was fucked up, I could reach out to them and say, hey, I need something. Because I've been fucked up and I know that I can't. You don't want to go back there. Man. Yeah. Sometimes I still be back there in my mind. <laughs> it don't always be about how much money you got. Because you can have a lot of money. At times, and still not, still not be, you know what I'm saying, where you think you should be. Right, in right. Your mind, how, like, how you think you should feel. Mm -hmm. You'd be like, it still feel like, I still feel regular. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, I have no reservation saying that you're one of the hottest comics in the game and one of the rising stars in the game. Uh, but you've also given credit to your family being funny as well. Yeah, man. It's just coming from that. We had a real close family, you know what I'm saying? So it's like, that's what the family did. We made fun of each other. It was all, it was just a running joke in the family that it was just going to be a joke. Somebody was going to make it. And you know what I mean? And everyone was going to be better than the last one. Mm -hmm. we gonna, when we all get there, we're going we gonna to bring up every embarrassing story and the new embarrassing ones, the ones we think <laughs> and the ones from last time. And everybody in my family is just great storytellers and so animated, you know what I mean? 
Real, real funny. Got funny nicknames. <laughs> Uncle Pluky. You know what I mean? <laughs> we got, you know what I mean? It's just some people, we just, they only known by their nicknames and shit. So. Is that how you're able to freestyle so much on stage? Just that natural funny? No, it's, it's just that I study, I listen to people. I find shit that's funny to me. And I translate it to how it, how it's funny to me. It's like, we can see, we, you know what I'm saying? It's just the my perception of shit. Some shit is funny to me just because, like the like so like I see I don't see people as just a person with clothes on, you know what I mean? I see character. I see uh -huh. what, like if you're a bus driver and I see you in your uniform, then your character is a bus driver. And if mm -hmm. you have a funny voice outside of your bus driver uniform, it's even funnier when I hear you as a bus driver and you fat and you round as fuck and you got <laughs> big ass long and your belt looks extra long and you look like you're going to be like real stern. And then you sound like this and shit. <laughs> like, that's hilarious to me. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like, I don't have to make, like, I felt, I found out this early in my career. Like, shit that you make up and try to go on stage that shit don't work. Like, you can't make up shit. Mm -hmm. Like, comedy has, like, even if it's a joke, it gotta be, like, people don't think in cartoons. Like, motherfuckers like to see, like, if I'm, even if I'm telling you something, you like, you can hear it in your mind. You putting that shit there, and it's like, okay, now you done made, okay, you got me all the way up into the set. Now I'm in the club. And then you go hit me with some bullshit, and then a duck walk in. Hold up, motherfucker. I ain't never seen a duck walk in a club before. <laughs> it's like it throw the perception off. People know when you bullshit. Mm -hmm. Cause people don't like to be bullshitted. Right, right. Like it's a, it's the certain like you gotta make it even when you bullshit, you gotta make that shit sound believable. Like you can't you can't rob the crowd. People know when you're trying to take something from them. When they try all right, he trying to make us laugh so he can get to this little other shit. Alright, I heard this part before. I know this joke. Like people will give up on you in the middle of a joke. If they feel like it's too predictable, yeah. they'll be like, oh fuck, man. Let me check my phone. That's when you lose people. So is that why you freestyle so much? Hell yeah. I like to take risks. I need to know what's funny. You'll laugh at that. Okay, if you'll laugh at this joke, let me see if you like this one. Cause now I see that you you thinking like me. Like you accepted what I'm saying. Like you know, I'm not bullshitting. It's real. You can tr you trust my funny. I done let, I done made you laugh by myself with not, without your opinion six times in a row. Okay, ride with me this time. All right, y'all liked all that other shit. Watch what I'm about to do. So now you got the crowd. They like, oh, we love this shit. Do some more of that. It's like, cause it's like they they don't have to think about if you're gonna be funny or not. Right. They joke the joke, cause that's how crowds judge you for some reason. They don't fuck with the overall show, cause you can have a great show and they still will be like. I ain't like the end. Why you just <laughs> right. walk off like that? That first joke was funny. Then I ain't like the others. They start picking the shit apart. Well, I know you did a show where you did a set for like three hours. Man, that was for some people who was not even supposed to be out that late. Was that all freestyle that was, pretty much? It, nah, it's like at that point in time I did that shit, a lot of that, like I had maybe like a whole hour maybe of shit that might work. <laughs> And that was just jokes that I know what I'm saying that I know that I had done. But the it's like after that first hour, it wasn't even about jokes. They just liked me as a person at this mm -hmm. point. They was like, "This dude funny," and they just started saying shit. You know what I'm saying? Throwing out shit. They okay. wanted to talk about this shit because this was a, a recovery convention. Wow. And it was like probably 
three or four hundred people who were just happy to be out not doing drugs and drinking. It was dope because I did that that convention like three years in a row, and them people really fucked with me, man. Well, that skill set is something that has to be developed. I'm sure starting out you struggled, and you know pretty much every comedian from Atlanta has a story of getting booed at some point. So, like, what is yours? Man, but see, that's the thing. Having a bad set don't even mean getting booed. Some sets that some sets you can you can do the crowd will tell you you did great, but it's you it'll just make you cringe because it's like you don't believe in the shit. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? It's hard to watch yourself, and if it's like especially if you're one of those comedians who like love to see your progression, like you don't want to watch some shit you did six months ago because you don't even rock like that no more. Not that you change everything, but it's like. You just in a different place in your right. life now. Mm-hmm. You don't even do those kind of jokes. You don't feel that type of way no more. You was going through a breakup then. Now you happy like that's your dark moments. Yeah, you know yeah. what I'm saying? Or you could just tell where like your jokes like identify you. So if it's like if you hear that, you be like, oh, I don't. That joke was about my friend, <laughs> and now I ain't even really. I don't even feel like that no more. You know what I mean? Well, can you tell us a, a story of the old Carlos getting booed on stage? But I don't have no stories like that. You've never gotten booed. But, I'm, dude, I'm not, bullsh- I'm not bullshitting you at mm. all. No flex, no propaganda. <laughs> I don't have no story. I had a show where it was just, well, I had a bad set to me, and it was just an empty-ass room, and then it was just an awkward-ass situation, and nothing really came out of it. It wasn't like I got booed. I don't know. There's a lot of people who don't like me, but those aren't... See, people focus too much on those types of moments. That's not the shit that make you good. Right. Getting booed. What about that time where I rocked 8,000 people and they all was like, that nigga crazy. That's the <laughs> shit that you should be talking about. Or when you can rock in a room with 400 people who ain't never been out after 12 o'clock for the first time, not drinking, not doing drugs, and they like they feel good about it. Them the moments, that, that's the shit that you should be focused on. When people, when you ain't never met in your life, want you to take pictures with their kids and their family and hold a baby and tell you why they love you and how many times they done watched you on this show and that show and they proud of you. Fuck the failures. You don't learn shit from failures. Just hope it don't happen again. <laughs> I have avoided a lot of shit, but it's a lot of moments that was failures doing comedy right. to me. And a lot of comedians listen to this, and some people go into comedy thinking, oh, I can go up there and just talk for an hour. Oh, but people have to understand there is a development you into know, that. There's plenty of sets that I hated, but that didn't make or break me. It ain't like I, the next time I went on stage, I thought about the, the last set that I fucked up or people didn't like or one dude heckled me and told me, I, I don't give a fuck about that shit. I got paid and I got the fuck on. <laughs> my my learning experience was like, ooh, I almost fucked this money up. Don't let it happen again. <laughs> Shit. There was a lot of times I went out and rocked the show and didn't get paid. It was the funniest one and didn't get yeah. shit. It can be a brutal game. It sucks. It's hard to go to sleep on them. T- that's the shit that make you want to change everything. Because it's like, I ne- like every time you do some shit and you feel like you got the short end of the stick or mistreated, and you tell yourself, I ain't going to do that shit again. I ain't going to do that shit again. That'll never happen again. But then you just have a little box that you guess you just put them little moments in. And it's like after enough times of that shit, you go into those situations and you don't even expect shit. You just it's just you know what it is. And you like, okay, if that's what it is, 
That's what the fuck it is. I stay away from that type of shit. If I know that going to this show is not going to benefit me and I go and perform and they ain't going to have shit for me and they're going to charge me to park and I'm going to lose, then I just fucking stay at home. <laughs> I'd, I'd risk it. I would risk not being seen tonight to not take another L. It mean that much to me. Yeah. A lot of people don't know when to stop doing the same shit over and over again. Well, what if I know... I mean, you have the, the funny jeans and everything, and you have a kid with the funny jeans. What if he's trying to get into this I mean, game? I hope that I would be, I hope that my career would be sturdy enough and strong enough where I would be on a level where it wouldn't just be like, hey, my son is a, oh, that shit ain't for everybody. Mm-hmm. It's not. I wouldn't want a mediocre son who does, like, I wouldn't want him to be mediocre at it just to be like, hey, that's Carlos' son. He okay. He ain't, you know what I mean? <laughs> Don't do that. Don't water down the brand. Make them believe in us. <laughs> He's not a comedian. He's a great writer. Nah, like, no way you, no way you at, man. This is not some shit that you just, this is not a, this is not a, a a real profession like you're just going to go to school and aspire to be a stand-up comedian. This is mm-hmm. one of those things where it's like some people, like you said, you just you get into this. You have, have to love this shit and feel like you're funny enough to make somebody laugh to even end up on stage. And all it takes is one time to know if this shit is really what you want to do. Where was the first time you performed in Atlanta? At the Twisted Taco. Oh man, that, that was, was fat comedy. Back. Fat comedy, twisted taco. I think it was on Sunday night then or Tuesday, Sunday morning. It was one of them early. Man, it was crazy. You do well? Yeah, it was Sunday night because I remember the star bar was Monday. Yeah, the first time. Mm-hmm. I got it on disc somewhere. But it was cool. And I you started last. Yeah, yeah. And you. Set. Is that the same night? I know you started with Clayton English, who just won last Clayton comic standing. Clayton didn't go up that, no- that week. Ah. That he went up the next week. They didn't put us on the both at the same time. Oh, okay. But like, when we used to go in the beginning, we used to always ride together everywhere we went. Because mm-hmm. they just knew us together. It was always just Clayton and Carlos. We went to every show in the city, from the Punchline to the, to the wing spot on Evans Mill, <laughs> Twisted Taco. We went to the Star Bar with the skateboarders and all them Rodney and all the big gym. I'm talking about all of them, man. We went to every, went to Augusta, Macon, everywhere in Georgia first, man. Everywhere, every show. Went to the poetry spots. Mm-hmm. Anywhere that they had a microphone. We, was, we did the very first show at the Relapse Theater when it was downstairs in the little basement. Very first one. Back when people were living in there? Yes. <laughs> what was that when like? When it was first converted from the church. <laughs> we did the auditions in the attic and performed at every stage in there. Wow. Man, I've been all over this city, all the way down the Riverdale, the Jonesboro Road. All the look. They had comedy at all the Dugans. Every sports bar in the city used to let us rock, man. Fox Sports Grill. Strip clubs? Strip club. Magic City. Pinups. Blue Flame. All did Everywhere. comedy? I had a comedy night at the Dancers <laughs> Elite. I had, man, I used to host about five strip clubs in a week. I had a comedy night every night of the week. Wow. Every night, man. I was the youngest the youngest comedian out here that had all the rooms and I just built my shit working out in all the rooms. Go do us room. Go hit the poetry spot. Hosting events for 
lesbians, all lesbians be the only man in the room type shit. <laughs> Christmas parties. People used to call me and invite me to their house. I performed on the steps at somebody's birthday party, in the kitchen, at the family reunion. Old dude I never even met, birthday party, just come in, do the comedy, do whatever you want to, cussing kids, <laughs> nurses. Uh, the nurses, uh, they did a nurses ball for all nurses. They wanted me to do a whole hour. I did the Rosh Hashanah program for the Jewish people down at the center stage. I had some wild-ass gigs, man. Performing in the middle of the street at the carnival, <laughs> at the school homecoming festival. Hot-ass um, gym at Gremlin State with no heat. I mean, no air in the theater. They call it bitch the sweat box shirt. <sighs> Drenched after the show. They known for born comedians. Fam, you homecoming. About 5,000 people. How did you find all these gigs in the man, city? Man, just working. People Just tell, word of mouth? Man, people come up and tell you, this person or that person, and they sister went to school over here, and she showed them your YouTube page. And you post a joke on, like, posting jokes on Facebook and social media will get you so many shows because that one person wow. who will see that one status that got five retweets thought that was the funniest shit that they ever heard and they in charge of the entertainment this year and they're going to give you a check for $2,000 to come for 15 minutes to perform at the Christmas party. All you got to do is make sure you say that shit that you posted on social media because <laughs> everybody in the office have seen that shit and they think you the next coming of Jesus when it comes to comedy. That's how, that's how crazy the game is. People think you need a million followers to get a million dollars, man. It's crazy. That's how you blow up. Somebody blow you guys. You got a gig when the people fuck with you, they gonna come, man. They're not just gonna show up. You're not just gonna pull some shit and wake up and nah. It don't take that, man. I've gotten so many shows off statuses. Just wow. one lady who worked at the school saw some shit that somebody reposted. They've been trying to book me. They just didn't have my information. Like, this comedian told them the wrong shit. It's crazy how that shit worked, man. That's why I stay so active on the social media. Just always updating. Man, I know, but it affect my sex life because, you know, when you when trying to get some pussy, they were like, you on the phone. I'm like, I've been with you all day. We have ate twice. <laughs> <laughs> you, I woke up next to you. You still, come on. Man, how is, you, you started Atlanta way back then. I mean, how I is this? I started in 2005. How has the scene changed since you started? It's, a, it's nothing to do. I feel, I don't care how many rooms it is, and it is nowhere near as close to the amount, the amount we had back then. Really, we used to do comedy at Barnacles and Stone, like all the Barnacles, the restaurant. Mm -hmm. They used to, we had comedy in there. Griff had like five rooms. Throwbacks on Old National. Doe D had some rooms. Everybody, like every comedian in the city, had like two or three rooms. Why don't you? You actually had enough shit to do where you could have to do. You had to wait two weeks to do some shit. It was that many rooms, man. Where'd they go? I don't, man, I, I don't know what happened to all the rooms. Because there are multiple shows a night, but nobody's getting paid. That's the crazy part. I'm talking, it was money in the city. You wow. could go get, I remember, I remember one time, the first time I made $500 doing comedy, I was in Atlanta. 
I did three shows in one night, and I made $500. I was like, I can't believe this shit. That was one of those defining moments for me, man. My neighbor had let me borrow her car, and I left at like 6 o'clock. I did an early show, and then I did a, I did another little spot where I popped up, and then I had caught the late night spot at Old National and um, Frozen Palace. And I headlined that shit, and then Big Sean gave me like $150. I was like, nigga, I made it. That was the first time I made a $500 telling joke. Has the scene become more segregated since you started? Man, I feel like they did this shit on purpose. I felt like it was a lot of little, it was a lot of bitter ass comedians who were just like, mm. Well, since nobody likes our particular brand of humor, we'll just kind of go over here and laugh at each other. That's why you get a whole bunch. It's a lot of shows in the city, and it's, they don't ever have a crowd. It, most is 15 or 20 people, and then it's 10 comedians in the back yelling out fucking tags to each other. It's a, like a fucked up inside joke. I don't, I don't subscribe to that particular brand of humor. I don't like that shit. It's mm -hmm. corny. You yeah. want to go on stage and think you can say the most fucked up shit so the crowd can go, ooh, that's not fucking cool. That shit sucks. That shit fucking sucks, man. You're right. I feel the exact same way, man. But people, you know, notice, you know, there's an urban and mainstream side to the city that's now. That's bullshit. But it hasn't always been that way. Because it's, it, it is, though. It has always been that way. Oh, okay. It has always been that way. Because it's like they try to label black comedians like, oh, well, you're going to do this particular type of joke. You're going to say, bitch, motherfucker, or you're going to talk about pussy. They already expecting that. But this dude can go on stage. White dude can go on stage in Atlanta, talk about fucking his dead grandma after pulling his dick out of a dead puppy that mm -hmm. he pulled out of a motherfucking, you know what I'm saying, such and such, such and such, that he pulled out. It could be a running joke of all the things he had pulled his dick out of and they'll call this motherfucker and they'll put him on the front of creative loafing. Yep. <laughs> That's real shit. Yeah. Now you're right. Can that system be broken? It's not supposed to be. Because you're like, I mean, you're one of the hottest comedians coming out of Atlanta. Where's your... But it's not about... I live in Atlanta and I do comedy. I haven't performed in Atlanta in a long time. Like, not to be... I haven't been paid to be on a show in Atlanta. I just live in Atlanta. I, that's, you know what I mean? They, I, that's where I started. That's where I grinded. Mm -hmm. But I don't... You know what I'm saying? It's not like they can say, oh, well, you, you're an Atlanta comedian. So if I move to Dallas, am I a Dallas comedian? No, because you started here. Exactly. So am I, I'm always going to be an Atlanta comedian because I started doing comedy in Atlanta. Yes. So if I fucking blow up and I don't even... And I don't do no jokes about Atlanta and I get the host the next... I'll be the next Larry Wilbur. I'll still be an Atlanta comedian. Yeah, because you started crazy. here. Because you started here. What about, I'm from Mississippi. What about the 22 years in Mississippi before that? You started comedy in Atlanta. I started doing improv comedy in Mississippi, so I'm a Mississippi comedian, right? No, you did the oh, grind okay. in Atlanta. All right, cool. I can't be one. All right, cool. So you, can, you can be whatever comedian you want. You. I just want, since I, I started in Atlanta, I want you know right, cool. you to be one of I did start, the Atlanta I, comedians. I started in Atlanta. I'll always be an Atlanta comedian. I was just trying to see. Don't ever think I would betray the Atlanta comedians. Because we're the funniest city in the country, think, man. I know this. Yes. You think I don't know this? Boy, what the fuck, where your ass was at when we was out here. Yeah. <laughs> I know. Shit, it wouldn't be no we if it weren't for we. We we was here. What? I remember. I came. We came and fucked the game up. They weren't with us when we were shooting in the they gym. They were not there. They were not with us shooting in the gym. 
Well, where do you want to go with your career? You said you haven't really worked that much in Atlanta. So no, like- it's not even about working and doing shows. I've done shows all across the country in every major city mm-hmm. twice, three, four times. It's great working the road and just building a fan base. Man, I want to do some movies. I want to do something permanent. I want you to see me on something more high capacity. You talking like a Nick Cannon? I'm just, I ain't not even in that. I want you to see me on some crazy shit that you don't expect to see a comedian on. I'm trying to be on, I want to be a prominent character on season four of CSI. I'm that, <laughs> I'm that one dude from the hood that they can't never catch because I sell drugs and hack computers and I read literature and I eat, you know what I'm saying? I live like a fucking uh, upscale gentleman and I'm a smart hood motherfucker <laughs> who play chess and drink energy drinks and I know how to put lemons on uh, bullet wounds and shit. That I don't want to be one of them type of elaborate-ass characters, man. I want to be the hacker that they can't catch who break into the police van. And, you know what I'm saying? To kidnap the chief daughter or some shit. But I can't die yet. They need me for three more episodes. And I'm hot right now. And then you see me on some fucking... Um, what's that shit with the werewolves and the vampires? Yeah, I, I want to be on some of that type of shit. Vampire Diaries. All that. <laughs> fucking true blood I want to be the leader of the wolves or the black people or something I want I want that one role in Star Wars for the black dude well weren't you working on an independent film as well yeah I don't know what the hell going on with it it's, it was independent man that dude owned the footage I don't know he, that was been three years on that All I don't right. know what's going to happen with my film career but I'm, I'm looking she trying to make it happen films, movie, TV yeah I just want a job man okay cool yeah, man. I want all that. Well, you've said all that. Um, is there anything else you want the world to know? Hey, that I'm out here. My grind don't stop. I appreciate everybody that appreciates what I do. Every fan that I ever had. Just know that I'm out here for y'all, man. I ain't nothing without y'all. Keeping it real. Where can all these new fans find you? Social media and all that. Social media at Carlos M. K-A-R-L-O-U-S-M. Get with me, link with me, Instagram, all that. And uh, yeah, man, ain't no telling what you might see me on. And I'm not going nowhere. I feel like it's so, I feel like this has just been, all this first 10 years just been a nice intro. You know what I'm saying? And I really just got a lot more to show people. I feel like it's a, I'm growing every time I get behind the microphone. I'm just, cause I'm going so many different places. And there's still a lot of jokes that I haven't learned how to tell or I haven't created yet. A lot of places that people haven't seen me go. See, so. you want to do a lot of different things, but stand-up will always be the backbone. Yeah, because I feel like whatever whatever it is that I'm doing is going to be because of stand-up. Stand-up is going gonna, is gonna to be what put me in position and it's going to get me my next job. And mm. I, I know I haven't been very specific, but I want another TV job. I want to I wanna be in some movies or hosting something. I just want to be seen in capacity. I guess it's because I've been on the cast, mm-hmm. you know what I mean, and I just I want some more stuff like that. I want to I want to play. I want to be more specific with my role. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like I don't want them. I don't want to be all over the place. You want to be the star? No, it's not even about being the star. I just said I want to be more specific. I want I want a more defined character on something. Gotcha. You know what I mean. Mm-hmm. So like when when it's like when it's me, then you know what you get. Like that's how, that's how people fall in love with you. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's like I'm on one of those characters where it's like when you see me, it ain't you don't think Carlos. You like ah, oh, what's up, Randy? You know right, what I mean? right, right, right. Yeah, right. Randy, your favorite dude from <laughs> your new favorite show. You know what I mean? 
I know you performed in like Germany and London. You trying to go international with this? Yeah, going international is cool, man. It is. It is pretty cool to get to travel out the country, but it can be scary too because you never know. People are so used to what they're used to, and it's it's like a lot of that stuff. It's it's a culture shock at first, and then it's like so. So a lot of the times you have to go. You don't get much time to really take in where you are. Mm-hmm. So it's like a lot of those that stuff is like from the inside looking out, and you might offend somebody just because you're just culturally stupid because. We're Americans, and we don't know nothing but America. <laughs> we could just pretty much just make up some shit, and can't nobody tell you wrong because you have the right to just make up shit if you fucking want to. Did the same jokes that work in America work overseas? They actually prefer those jokes. They're not coming to see your interpretation of jokes you they that you think they want to see. They want to see that American show. They want to see you be live and raw, and they want to try to figure out what you're saying and want to hear your accent because your accent is just as funny to them as you know what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. Is, is, you know what I mean? <laughs> and vice versa. So yeah, they love it. Sometimes it might be a little too raw, and they'll let you know like, hey, it's just just a little bit too much because you know it's just a different culture a lot of you know different things play out but some stuff is just haha it's funny and then some shit they just don't get because they don't live like that well i think people that get it get it and it's working funny is funny and it's funny man and they just even if they don't understand what you're saying they still want that laugh because they like to see that motion that that feel that energy and that's when you know that it's not just about what the words that you're saying. People can feel your vibe, your energy. They pick up on your spirit. So that's more important than actually the jokes you're saying. It's yeah, how and the man, feeling. A lot of comedians don't understand that that stuff is important. Like, you got to look like the stuff that you're talking about. You know what I mean? Because mm-hmm. you, you're going to project that. Like, and then it's like... You have to learn how to be the star that you want to be already. You can't wait on somebody to make you a star. You know what I'm saying? So it's like if you think that you got to you know, go do some movies or some commercials for you to wear these fly pants and those dope shoes and that cool <laughs> shirt that you really in your heart want to wear. But you just, you know what I'm saying? You just on some other shit. You're like, well, I don't give a fuck. I'm just going. It's just Wednesday. Or it's just open mic. I'm not here to impress nobody. You know, all those little bullshit excuses for for you just, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. For you being on your bullshit. A lot of that shit that comedians and people who do entertainment go through is just, it's that type of shit. You got to really just move the fuck out of your own way, man, and play the game. Okay. And create some opportunities. That's what that's the main thing. It's like you just you people just say, Well I wanna be on TV. Doing what? I don't know. Well, well why then? <laughs> Would you just you just wanna be a fucking person on TV? You wanna walk through a commercial? They'll they'll find you nothing to do if that's what the fuck you want to do. <laughs> but if you're not a star, then don't go fucking learn how to do some camera work or some shit. If you don't feel like that, you know that you need to be a part of entertainment. Then don't just settle for some shit because you're like, okay, I'm kind of funny. I might can. Come on, man, be specific is what I'm saying. If you feel like you a star and you want to be fucking, you gotta create yourself. Can't wait for somebody to just make you. Why the fuck would people want to be interested in you? Because nobody is just going to try to make money for you. Mm-hmm. They want to make money <laughs> off you, make money with you. Right. How You got to be, you got to look profitable to somebody else. That's why you need to be decent at all times. Be Look like you ready. Because in this game, if you look like you need something, you'll never get it. Nobody going to give you shit. Like, that's why people don't give money to homeless people. <laughs> 
because they look like they need money. Mm-hmm. Like, I would give you some money, but one dollar is not gonna fix you. But if you was if you were clean and you were just like, hey, bro, can I borrow a dollar? I like my fucking keys in my car, and I just need to get some change to make a phone call. You can get dollars all day because you're gonna be like, man, huh? Don't even worry about it. I, shit happens. I lock my keys in my car. I'll take five. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. It's like you can run that shit all day because you look like you don't need it. I tell you what, you you're getting it. I'll say that. <laughs> I mean, you're talking about what, what is it though? What is it that I'm getting? You said success. Success? But that's just what other people think. And you're only 10 years in the game, man. I mean, shit, what about the whole struggling for the first seven, eight? It was just little bitty moments here and there. They still go through shit. It ain't just the greatest. It's a, it's still a lot of people in front of me getting a whole lot. Mm-hmm. But it's just, this just like I said, this is my introduction. I'm, if I'm, I'm just trying to build it. It might take me 10 more years to get what I want to get for I can before I can even feel what success is because I I don't know what that is yet. I'm just glad to be working and people like me and you know what I'm saying and I can have some fans and people respect what I do and then, you know what I mean. That's all. That shit mean the world to me. Just to know that somebody else is feeling what you do, it's just dope. I'll never focus on who don't or what I might do. Mm-hmm. Shit, I live in the moment. I told you, life is just a whole bunch of moments. You got to have some good ones. You make sure you got a lot of good ones. <laughs> That's it. It's just a collection of fucking moments. So I try to have a whole bunch of moments, even if it's just for 20 minutes. Well, I'm glad you shared this moment with me, man. Man, we had a moment. We had a moment. This was a dope-ass moment. This is so great, man. Thank you so much. Congratulations. On the success you have, and I look forward to us in ten years being like, man, man remember we're when? Play this one again, and then do the the new one on top of it. Absolutely, man. Thank you so much, Carlos Miller. Anytime, Joel Byers. Boom. <laughs> Dude. <laughs> that was the nobody will ever top my interview. Man. And you will only be seeing more and more of Carlos Miller, no doubt. I call him the next Martin Lawrence, but I'll let you be the judge. Speaking of which, you can share your opinions on our iTunes page for your chance to win a premium hot breath t-shirt. Oh snap, tis the season. And tis the time to thank you for yours, and also thank you to my engineer, Amon Garner, which you can find on Facebook, and my theme song composer, Aaron A. Rogers, also on all social media. We keep climbing, and it's all thanks to you. So, enjoy your holidays, and remember to breathe.